Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico, as always, Tyler Tashman, as always, with Hawk Central, the Des Moines Register. Tyler, uh, uh, high visibility press conference today with Kurt Ferentz. No players, uh, unprecedented, I'm told, in a 25-year Ferentz era. So this was all about making Kirk Ferentz's voice the voice today in light of the news that his son will not be retained uh, after the 2023 season as on any part of the staff and certainly not as offensive coordinator. So um, before I, I give my takeaways, Tyler, since you're the new guy here, uh, I was I was kind of braced for, oh, my gosh, what is Kirk Ferentz going to say? And he really didn't say much, in my opinion. You had to really read into it, I guess. But there were tones. There were, uh, I don't know, there were digs if you listen closely. But I was curious kind of what you heard from your seat today. What I heard was Kirk Ferentz saying a lot while not saying much at all. It was a lot of just cliches, sidestepping questions. And the same can be said for Beth Getz, who we talked to after on a more brief scale. But I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for handling it this way. Uh, it's an uncomfortable situation in the fact that this is his son that you know won't be returning as I was offensive coordinator uh, next season. Uh, and just the scale of it, the all the interest. This is a high-level football program. I don't blame him for approaching it from a media standpoint this way of wanting to keep probably his true emotions close to his vest and not really revealing a whole lot but if you if you went into Tuesday hoping for like a reality TV show mud slinging you know drama filled kind of press conference I mean that, that's not how it was at all yeah to be to be clear I didn't really have a problem with him not making players available I feel like that is understandable giving this is the first in-season dismissal. It's not really a dismissal yet because he sticks with the team and it's just more of his contracts not renewed. And we've seen that before. So I don't want to, we don't want to call it a firing or even anything like that um, necessarily, but uh, it was pretty notable that uh, here, here's what I would have probably had, you know, message if I was Kirk Ferentz, You know, I would have said something to the effect of, you know, my program over 24 years has always been about accountability. Clearly, our offense has not met the standards that we require, Uh, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, You know, even though it, you know, even though it hurts and I hate to see my son go through this, this is a bottom line business. We're well paid to make these, um, you know, in this sport, in this profession. Uh, you know, and we have very high standards and we haven't met those standards. And even though I may not fully agree with the timing of the matter, I do understand um, the re- rationale behind the decision, you know, that was made by the university. Instead, it was just like, this isn't the way we do. Basically, the message was, this isn't the way we do things. I've never done that this way. This is outside of the protocol that I've set forward in 24 years. This is not the way I do things. Very, very important. Didn't even say we. It was, this is not how I do things. So I felt like that was kind of a little bit of a shot and under, you know, a little bit of a subtle, that's the word I was looking for, shot, uh, sort of at what happened and really kind of almost sounded petty in, in a way 
just not really taking accountability for how bad the offense is. I mean, it's literally 20 yards worse than last year, and you're not even playing as good a defense as you did last year. And it's, you know, injuries are part of the game. We know that. So, uh, you know, that could certainly be an excuse, but it was bad before the injuries. So I don't. I thought it was a little bit of a missed opportunity for Kirk, and and it just kind of showed that he's hurt. What I felt like it showed was he's hurting. I think professionally and personally that hey, someone's above me now that's going to make decisions, and this actually affected my family. Right. I mean, I think not that like I wanted him to show more emotion, but I just feel like we didn't get much insight to that side of things. And like I said. I don't blame him for being that way, but, um, you know, he was asked basically, what is, how do you deal with this personally? Cause this is your son, uh, that we're talking about. And, you know, he, he kind of deflected on it and didn't really give a whole lot of detail. So it's difficult for, for, you know, I haven't been on the beat that long, but it, it feels like Kirk has been fairly op- like an open book in terms of just him sharing stuff. And I know you could, probably speak to that more than I could, but this feels a lot different in that he is kind of hiding things or if there is things he's, he's kind of sheltering and not necessarily telling it how he feels. I don't know if how, how you feel, you know, to that point. He was definitely holding back today. And I think he was trying to revert to certain themes. Like I'm focused on this game I'm focused on the next four games. I'm focused on my team. Yet, clearly, his focus is, you know, has been staggered. I wrote that in my headline. I think I got changed to stunned. But, you know, it was basically Kirk Ferentz was staggered by the news because he was still kind of almost like a boxer that gets knocked out a little bit. He's still kind of, you know, trying to get his footing, I think, basically 24 hours later after this thing broke um, publicly. And I'm sure it's been a difficult 24 hours and they've had to be on a practice field and whatnot. But I guess the the other disappointing part for me, and we can lump the quarterback conversation into this as well, is that there was just no accountability in terms of how bad the offense is, how bad the quarterback play is. It's basically like, uh, you know, have to, uh, hey, this isn't the way we do things. We wait till the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's also worth noting that he was asked about his future beyond this season, given the recent developments. And he basically didn't answer or he avoided an answer of basically just saying that he's worried about the next game and what's in front of him this season. Um, So he I mean, he didn't really give like a concrete answer, you know, one way or the other. But I think that's something that's definitely um you know, worth thinking about as we move forward in terms of is he how much could how much could this the way that things have gone with this decision affect his future at Iowa uh, moving forward? So, um, yeah, I think that that's definitely kind of a, you know, another non-answer. But that was that was something I thought noteworthy from today. Yeah, we we normally do like three topics for those that are just tuning in our normal Tuesday show is like three topics. And I forgot to like introduce our first topic, uh, our second topic. So we'll just kind of merge topics one and two topic. One was sort of 
Kirk Ferentz's comments, lack of accountability in offense. Topic two is, will he be back next year? So let's just dive into that part. Maybe we'll circle back to the other stuff. But, yeah, I thought that that, in my opinion, it felt like my initial read was I, – I didn't think there was much doubt that he would be back in my head. Um, going into this and I come out of it a little bit more doubtful, I guess. I still think he'll be back just gut feel, but based on today, it just seemed like he had lost some, he just lost a little something, you know, like, like if you don't, let's say, you know, the Des Moines Register has always treated me great, you know, for, for me, you know, I've been, I've been with them for, um, a long time in USA Today. So I, I kind of lump that all together. And my bosses for 20 plus years have been awesome. And I would, and so similar time frame. I started at the register in October of 2000. So um, very similar to Kirk Ferentz, right? And I'm not trying to compare the professions because they're not <laughs> similar. But I've always felt appreciated by my bosses. I've always felt a passion for newspapers, a passion for what I'm doing. And if I suddenly got, I don't know, undercut maybe by my bosses in some way, shape, or form, I would probably feel, at least for a few days, like, damn, I don't know how long I want to be around. But I've never felt that way. But I'm saying that could be what – that's what I sense from Kirk Ferentz. Like, here's a place that has been so good to him for 30 years, honestly, if you go back to his days as, as an assistant. And now I feel like he maybe has, has lost something. It just felt like he had lost a little bit of, I don't know, respect or love or passion. Maybe it's just brief, but he was asked about, you know, how does this affect your relationship with Beth Getz? And he ended up bringing up the military. So, uh, you know, it was just a lot of deflecting of answers and and not real answers, I feel like. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just curious of how this is going to affect the rest of the season for Iowa because it, now it feels like much more of a bigger story than what is Iowa do the rest of the season. It feels like the inevitability of where Iowa goes as a program has come a lot quicker than maybe we anticipated. I think with, you know, where he is at his, at this stage of his career, that was sort of on the horizon of like, where does Iowa go? Um, but I think that, you know, even if he doesn't retire at, after this season, it has, it, it's at least making that, ideas seem closer to reality and because of the shifting landscape of the big 10 because of nil transfer portal all of that i think it just magnifies the question of like where is the where is the iowa football program going to be five years from now you know what 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 is the direction of the program as a whole and in the scope of this season it just I, it's, I mean, maybe it won't affect the play on the field, but it's just hard. There's just been so much that's gone on this season. It's been ridiculous between the gambling uh, situation, between the injuries, between Brian Ferentz's contract amendment, between now this uh, during the season. It just feels like there's so many hurdles for Iowa to have to deal with. And it, I mean, it could easily see it spilling over onto the field and, affecting the last, you know, four games of the se regular season. You know, maybe it doesn't, but it just – I don't know. It just feels like it's there's too much going on, you know, around the program right now. Yeah, I kind of – I felt like yesterday when we did our podcast, 
Tyler. Like I felt like, hey, maybe this is a weight lifted from the program. But today, coming out of this, uh, and again, maybe my maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it just feels like yeah, it's is. I mean, Ferentz acknowledged basically this is way more of a distraction maybe than I realized. Um, probably because it's, you know, a distraction for the head coach, <laughs> you know? Um, it's not like, I don't know, like a player arrest or something and everyone else bands together and everyone just keeps doing what they're doing. This is affecting everybody and their emotions and they're talking about it and their focus is not on the, you know, what it needs to be. Now, I'm not saying it's not, but um, yeah, it does feel like uh, this game on Saturday which looked like maybe the most winnable game on the Big Ten schedule when we looked at it back in September. Maybe this becomes a dicey game. You know, the Hawks are favored by five, but it feels like it could be a real, um, I don't know, like this could be like the beginning of the end, almost like the Hayden Fry last year of 1998 when things went downhill quick. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, I'm really fascinated to see kind of what we get from this team on Saturday. And that kind of leads into um, the Deacon Hill conversation, which I felt like reflected the Brian Ferentz stuff because I asked a couple pretty hard or at least clear questions about, hey, did you look at quarterback during this bye week? You've had two weeks now you know, maybe to ramp someone up, maybe Marco Linez, maybe Joe Labus. And he basically said, no, we still have a clear one, two, three. And I said, Labus still two? Yep. Labus still two. And then later asked about, he kept saying like, well, protecting the ball is so important. I'm like, so then I was like, I got to, I got to ask this, like pro football focus says you have the worst quarterback in the country at protecting the ball that he has the highest percentage of turnover where they play is like how do you equate that with starting him and so I just feel like Tyler it's just he's just not acknowledging the failures and off he's acknowledging what he wants to acknowledge almost it's just it's just uh you know I can understand why Hawks fans are troubled out there because it's just adding up for me is just like he is not acknowledging that this quarterback play is I mean, the one thing he cares about the most is turnovers, and this is the guy that is loosey-goosey with the ball more than any quarterback in the country. Like, how can you let that go, and yet he does? Same with his his son's offense. So that's where I, it's really mm, red flaggy for me. The, the word that comes to mind when you're talking about that, and I don't want to make this seem all negative, but it's just the stubbornness, you know? It, I mean, stubbornness can be good in some ways. It can be bad in others. Kirk Ferentz is stuck to what he's done for so long. He said after that Penn State game, I'm not, you know, he's, he's not a wholesale change guy. This is who he is. This is the type of football that, you know, the schemes that he's going to play. Um, and he's not going to, he doesn't seem to want to deviate away from them. So it just feels like, you know, it's almost like they're getting in their own way, his own way in terms of decision-making because of his unwillingness to change, his unwillingness to go to a different quarterback, his unwillingness, you know, to change one thing or the other. And again, the stubbornness has paid off in over the course of his career because he's been successful. So I don't want to make it seem like him sticking to his ways 
is a bad thing. That's just how he seemed, you know, the impression I've gotten, that's how he seems to be. He's going to ride or die with it. He's rode with it a long way. And now we'll see, you know, where it goes from here. Um, but in the specific decision-making, like with quarterback, that it seems to be reflected in, you know, not changing scheme or whatever, not taking risks. That seems to be reflected in this specific quarterback decision that he is electing to continue to go with Deacon Hill. Yeah. Uh, Ference's answer today on Hill was basically like he's got, I think he's got, he goes, I don't know the answers, which was kind of funny. I think he's got a lot of really good qualities. We as coaches have seen plenty to be encouraged about and plenty we feel good about. If he's persistent and keeps working hard, some better days are ahead for him. He's already done some good things. We'll try to build off of that just like we would every player on the team. So I did ask, like, are the other guys that bad? And I don't know. Did you think that was, like, out of line to ask that? Because I th- I he mean, seemed to take offense to that question. Yeah, I mean, it was – it was, I would say, pretty blunt wording, but given, yeah, I mean, he's been asked repeatedly and is kind of given the same answer. And to a certain extent, it feels like what, what we're seeing is not what he's seeing, right? Because it, it feels like to everyone watching, it's pretty obvious Deacon Hill's struggles, you know, and, and maybe that's what we go back to the, the things we can't see in practice, you know, I, that's the, that's the Iowa, Iowa fans don't want to hear about practice. No, I've I mean that's the only practice. thing I can I can think of. But at a certain yeah. point, I feel like it shouldn't really matter what you do in practice. You know, if that's what you do during a game, that's when it matters the most. So if you're not, if you could be the best practice player in the world, but if you can't produce on the field, then you have to think about making a change. So, no, I, I mean I think the, I think it was valid, and I think the fact of how. I guess maybe defensive he was about it just kind of shows, you know, the, how much he's sticking to what he thinks and he might not change, you know, because of it. Yeah. I think he was, yeah, maybe, maybe I could have worded it better, but I mean, I really just was like, if you're, if your quarterback is 160 at a 160 in turnover percentage or turnover worthy plays, again, that's a metric you could argue with it. But if you watch the games, I mean, these are, He's throwing deflected balls. He's throwing balls into traffic. I mean, that first middle screen at Wisconsin was a near disaster. Nearly had another one picked off of Wisconsin. Fumbled a snap in a critical moment late in that fourth quarter. And that's before we even get to Minnesota where it was, you know, let hold the ball like a loaf of bread and twice got it knocked out in a game you couldn't commit turnovers. <laughs> I'm making food references. I always make you laugh with food references. No, but I don't know. Just the loaf of bread, man. That's brutal. That's brutal, man. Well, the reference or what he did? I don't know. I could just see him holding. Like, I don't know. It, just, it described <laughs> oh, the very – it was because it of his size. Okay, I got no. It. Oh no. That oh no. Me. Okay. No, I'm lost. <laughs> now, now, guys, this is going south real quick. So <laughs> getting sideways, as Fran yeah. McCaffrey would say. Yeah. We did ask for some three-word headlines uh, today, so let's talk about some of the kind of a fun little. We don't usually do that on Tuesdays, but we should have done that for emergency pod. Cody Hills, one of our favorites, a loyal reader listener, said, "What just happened?" I asked for three-word headlines off the presser. (laughs) Um, Noah Cornelius says, toughest presser ever. I'm not sure if it was toughest to watch, Tyler, or or I don't know. I think that's probably what he means. Maybe most uncomfortable. Maybe Yeah, I think that would be. But most uncomfortable presser ever would be four words. So (laughs) 
well, Academy Awards there. Uh, Bergie Hawk says Kirk's not leaving. I don't know where I'd, I I still would say like minus three fifty that he's back. I just don't see him walking away from forty two million. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot of money, obviously. But <laughs> I mean, do you think? I mean, if you had six years and seven million a year still in your contract, and Phil Parker was your DC, like, wouldn't you come back? I mean, yeah, but I'm—I don't—I'm not a millionaire or even close to it. So if you give me the chance at seven million, I'd do just about anything. <laughs> uh, Chris Cooper, Beth Getz speaks. Uh, this was her first big moment. It was only five, six minutes, I would say, Tyler. But you'd wrote, you're writing the story on it. I don't know if it's posted yet, but if it is, it's at hawkcentral.com. Not yet, um, not yet, but soon. Not yet. I'm distracting you from writing here, but yeah, uh, we were both around her. I mean, she was she didn't say much, maybe less than Kirk. But what did you make of what she had to say today? I thought that, well, her words didn't really need to do the speaking. It was her actions, and she did not say a whole lot, but her actions were the decision that she made, and. I mean, it, it was a bold decision, even though it was one that at some point or the other needed to happen. But the fact that she, I mean, she has not been around. She's barely been at Iowa longer than I have. And I have not been at Iowa, you know, around the program very much. She still has the interim tag. Uh, she is very decisive. She is doing what she believes is best for the program. And that was a bold decision for someone that doesn't even at least right now have the full-time, you know, uh, Iowa AD role. So she didn't really, she, like you said, I think she probably said less than Kirk today, but I don't think she needed to say anything with her words. Her actions already spoke loud enough. Yeah. I think her presence today was more just that she's not going to shy away from anything, you know, shy away from the media. She showed up today, shook Kirk's hand, uh, when he arrived and she talked, it doesn't mean it was going to be great, but she was, I mean, she was just uh, forceful. She didn't like back down, wiggle around um, and kept her answers short. I didn't have any problem with anything she said, but you know, the reality is the potential is there that maybe Kirk Ferentz gets run off here as well. And, uh, and if there could be some backlash, if that happens, just yeah. saying. Well, I, um, I, think, I think if I can jump in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, she's being praised for the decision right now. And, I, and I'm, hmm. the timing of it is what it is, you know, is kind of brings in a different factor of it. And it was a very, you know, it was a, it was a meaningful decision. But we won't know the, the full repercussions of this until we're a few years or more down the road because – if Kirk Ferentz, you know, if, if this was the domino that eventually sends off Kirk Ferentz leaving, and I know there's some that don't want him, you know, want to move on the program in a new direction, but what happens if the, you know, whoever Iowa hires next bottoms out as head coach? What if the the program, what if Kirk Ferentz was who was holding up the Iowa program? And, you know, it, I, being from Indiana, after Bob Knight left, I mean, I, I don't, there's obviously not it's not a perfect parallel between Kirk Ferentz and Bob Knight but after Bob Knight left the program really struggled and mm -hmm. that those were kind of looked at the, as the glory days right and are still looked at as that way now if you get to that point where hey 
that's what it was under Kirk Ferentz. And after that, it just was a spiral. Then you wish that he had stayed around longer. So I think I'm not saying one way or the other, you know, how it should be judged. I just, it, we need, it's time, you know, it needs time to kind of see where this is in the trajectory of Iowa's program. Yeah. I kind of think, you know, this is probably Kurt. I like good uh, correlation there with Bob Knight, honestly, because that was a guy that probably wore out his welcome at the end. Um, and I'm not saying Kirk has, but I think some people do feel that way because of the stubbornness, uh, you know, has the great defense and special teams infrastructure in place, but but refuses to change in the other area. So um, anyway, I, I like that perspective. Um, what was I going with? Oh, I just think uh, give this a little, like you said, give it a little time here. Let's not overreact to what was said today or or anything. Process it for what it is, because I feel like Kirk's going to come around at some point. But right now, it's initially like jarring news for him, you know, and certainly affects his family life, no question about it, because either his son's going to have to get another job elsewhere or do something else. <laughs> um, this probably doesn't help his prospects that he was let go, essentially, um, as opposed to maybe resigning on his own terms or something like that. But anyway, got some other great three-word headlines, so I didn't want to uh, – Skip over those. Uh, Matthias Augustine, no solutions given. Total Hawkeye believer, at what cost? I like that one, kind of what we talked about. Um, we just don't know yet. Uh, Dylan Ellsworth, take blinders off. Again, kind of reflecting what I'm saying, that there's some blind spots here. Uh, two more. Uh, Eric Bappy says, very, very frosty. And then finally, my favorite one, so I saved this for last, Mike Pierce. Kirk punts again. That was, yeah, that's pretty – that's one. fitting. That's fitting. In <laughs> um, our final few minutes, Tyler, thank you, by the way, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we wanted to finish – we usually try to keep these Tuesday shows to a half hour for your time, for our time. Um, but we did want to finish on a little bit of a lighter note. And so – Great job, Tyler Tashman, catching up with the guy who had the sign at the World Series. Yeah. Well done, Mark Portinga, uh, Central College grad. And, man, this guy must be the biggest Hawkeye fan there is after reading your article. What did you – give us a little sense of kind of how this all went down. And definitely, folks, read the article that just posted, I don't know, about an hour ago, two hours ago. Um it's really a funny little story about how this all transpired. I, I thought it was, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of just like, I don't know. It was so, it was light. I feel like need, I needed something like that with just all the, you know, Brian Ferentz news and stuff. It, um, but anyway, so he lives in, uh, he grew up in Iowa, now lives in Ar Arizona, uh, was going to the Diamondbacks game, also, almost wasn't even going to wear an Iowa shirt at the last moment was convinced to do so got to the game. They were right behind home plate and they ended up, uh, you know, the idea came about to make a sign, you know, for the, the controversial call surrounding Cooper to jeans punt return. That was obviously reversed. Um, his wife first went to the bar to try to get something to write on. They gave her a pen and a receipt that wasn't going to do the trick. 
So they used her, uh, what was holding her cheeseburger, like her, her box that, that was holding her cheeseburger. And then, but they didn't have a, a Sharpie. The, the broadcaster or the cameraman who was working for Fox gave them a Sharpie. So they're writing, you know, uh, a sign about it, how it wasn't a, a fair, Cooper DeGene wasn't a fair catch, or said it wasn't a fair catch um, with a Sharpie. <laughs> With a sharpie on, but everyone knows what that means too. That's what's yeah, great. You don't know exactly. like anything. Well, it, and it's like that says it all. It's like taking. I mean, it's taking Iowa to an Iowa fandom to a new level. Is that you're literally at like the biggest event of Major League Baseball <laughs> of the year, and you're like talking about a, a fair, like an invalid fair catch, uh, you know, at an Iowa football game. So, yeah, that was a good story. I was like. You know, do you have time to pull this off when you asked me about it earlier today? But you did. You did a great job of it. That was a funny story. I mean, a good story. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Man, that guy's just a big Hawkeye fan. Oh, I mean, yeah. You guys got to read this story. I mean, and just how he found out about the invalid fair catch while he was waiting for an Uber. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because he wasn't even watching it because his phone was about to die. So he was, like, getting texts from some of his friends. And yeah. Just- so he thought they won. He thought, well, he thought, yeah, like everyone else. And then he delayed, you know, figured out yeah. that got called back. But yeah. Hawkeyes well, everywhere. Yeah. They're on the, I would, they're on the moon. They're probably on Mars. Someone, someone on Mars, if there's life form on Mars, someone's probably got it. It was a, it wasn't a much sign. <laughs> well, there are a lot of Hawk fans in Arizona. I know that. There are a lot of Hawk fans everywhere. I used to live in DC, a lot of fans out there. We go to New York City every once in a while for uh, trips with my wife, and you know it was a Saturday. We'd go into a bar with a bunch. It was a whole bar was Hawk fans. You know, like there's Hawk fans everywhere. You guys are crazy and awesome out there, passionate, mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like this is such a big story. This whole Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, everything, because there's so much passion out there about this topic, and um, you guys kind of make make this. Uh, this machine go. So we really appreciate you turning, turning out for this podcast and following our work. And the great news is we have a yet another show tomorrow. Uh, we got the Hawk central radio show on KXNO from six to 7 PM. Uh, we will be joined by Andrew downs in the first segment. It's his very last week at KXNO. He's been, uh, uh, he's kind of our fan of the show type of thing. And he's helped us be on the air for nine years at KXNO. So he's going to join us one last time. Uh, with Tyler, of course, myself, and then I got my Iowa Everywhere podcast Thursday, and then we've got our post game podcast. Tyler, we didn't even talk about the game uh, at Wrigley Field on Saturday. We'll have to talk about the game at some point. Well, right? how are we getting up there too? Are you driving or what? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We could, yeah, we could, I suppose. Yeah, I I'll might, drive. I might yeah. bike there. I don't know. <laughs> I got to remember my iPaths. Uh, get for the tolls. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll maybe get some deep dish pizzas, some Lou, Lou Malnati's at some point. Uh, have you ever had Lou Malnati's, by the way? No, no, I don't even know what that is. That's like a foreign word to me. That's not, you don't know what that is. Oh my gosh, deep dish Chicago pizza. That's my favorite. I mean, we have a Giordano's where I live in or near where I live in West Des Moines. Oh, uh, but Lou Malnati's, man, that's my favorite. I don't, uh, we'll have to get some of that. Yeah, I'm in for it. All right. Anyway, thanks. Sorry for the small talk here, Hawk fans. I know you're probably all thinking the same thing now. So don't take our table. Uh, nice, but, uh, um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. For, for Tyler Tashman, I'm Chad Leistico saying so long and talk to you very, very soon.